Welcome, everybody, to your favorite day of the week. I'm Anthony Irwin, as always, joined by Aaron Larsoul. Aaron? Yes? The Philadelphia 76ers lost. Their season is over. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know it, it was crazy. Right after the game, Doc immediately took ownership and accountability for how, uh, for how the season went. It yeah, was, 100%. I was, I was really proud. It was a really, you know, moment of I think of, that's called growth. growth. Yeah, I think that's maturity. I believe that's called growth. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he did the opposite of that, but oh, but still, right? right. <laughs> Maybe he thought about it. And by the way, uh, as we're recording this, what time is it? It's ten thirty nine yep. Pacific time, twelve thirty nine in the afternoon where you are. We may be getting some exit interview stuff from him and Maury as we record. So <laughs> maybe there maybe there will be more growth from Doc. I should have I should have like lined up a firework noise for like. <laughs> for for tweets as they come out what are the chances if you had to handicap it what are the chances Mm -hmm. that daryl morey and doc rivers fight each other at the exit interview like a cage match yeah Uh, like they just or or like you know it starts with like you know sideways comments right and then it's like you know so i think they're definitely going to be sideways comments do you what are the chances they actually come to blows 50 50. It's going to be like a, one of those old, I'm not going to call it WWE because I, I grew up, it was WWF. Yeah. Like one of those old WWF uh, Undertaker, like casket matches or mm-hmm. one of the old, like whoever loses has to retire. <laughs> this town this, this yeah. ain't big enough for the both of us. Loser goes home, like, right? Or something yeah, like that. Right, yeah. Loser retires. Yeah. Maybe they'll have one of those uh, like old school. I like, I love Western movies. Maybe they'll have one of those like old school 10 paces duels like out in front of the saloon <laughs> that's their actual in- exit interview like yeah. somebody is exiting the building <laughs> somebody might be exiting the planet, the planet. <laughs> i just i just pictured daryl daryl morey with like with a monocle and one of those like uh twistable mustaches he takes off his glove and slaps doc i challenge you to a duel <laughs> Somebody drops an actual gauntlet. Like, <laughs> I remember, I remember when I was growing up, and UCLA, USC was really good. So mm-hmm. Fox Sports um, would get way behind USC football, and there was this commercial where like Tommy the Trojan comes out and actually like drops an actual gauntlet. And I always picture the commercial ending right there as if like UCLA didn't want to come and pick it up. Because <laughs> like, that was like the Reggie Bush era. That was a Matt Leinart era, you know, and like UCLA was not at that level, has never been at that level. And I just picture yeah. UCLA just seeing the content. They're like, nah, <laughs> we're good. We're good. <laughs> we're all right. I mean, UCLA was, UCLA was, was, was very good. They were they weren't on that level though. They weren't like no nobody was. You're like yeah. the you're talking about the dynasty like Matt yeah. Leinart and Reggie, but no nobody was ever. I, they may be the best college football team ever, but UCLA, Cade McNown days. Well, UCLA was good. Deshaun well, Foster, UCLA yeah. was really good. They, they should have gone in the national championship game if uh, Edron James didn't run for like three hundred and forty yeah. something yards. Well, they um they produced UCLA has consistently produced like good pros. That's what I would like. What you can say about them, even if they didn't reach those heights that USC reached, you can make the argument that, like, over the years, UCLA has produced better NFL players. Than, I, doubt, I doubt that that's true. But. I bet I, 
I could make the case. I doubt, I doubt that that's true, but I'm, I'm, I'm making the case without okay. looking it up. <laughs> I, I doubt that that's true. Actually, uh, Cal produced it, like the Cal uh, produced now, the best. Now we talk. Now we talking. Yeah, yeah. That actually, Except the two, they just didn't win with them. In, like they, they uh, had no, Aaron Rodgers. No, no, didn't win with them in, in Berkeley. Well, <laughs> they won, but not enough to go to a Rose Bowl. Just yeah. can I get one before I die, please? Yeah, one Rose Bowl before I die. That's all I want. All right. I don't even care if Cal wins. I just want to go to one. But that 2004 Cal SC game is probably my most painful sports moment. Moment, yeah. As a sports fan, that's probably my most painful. Because they had they had Rodgers, they had Deshaun, and they had. Uh, he was not there. He was not there. Deshaun Jackson was not there until 05. But oh. yes, uh, Marshawn. You want to know how good that Cal uh, that Cal team was? Marshawn Lynch was the fourth string running back, <laughs> and you know who's the fifth string running back? Justin Forsett, also an NFL player. Yeah. And you know what? I don't want to talk about it. I'm miserable. <laughs> I did. I did deface and perhaps defile the Tommy Trojan statue after that game, though. There you go. So I felt a little. I, I about probably that. wouldn't admit to that. Like, publicly. is the statute of limitations up on that yet? What are, <laughs> what are coming up on 18 years later? It was fall of 04. So coming up on 18 years later. You got to go and give yourself some stitches, man. Like you just. <laughs> man, look. Um. All right. I. I'm, I'm going to put this off as long as I possibly can. Doc Rivers is eventually going to talk. Uh, there are a, quite a few reports linking Doc Rivers to the Lakers. Uh, it's it's a really poorly kept secret at this point. I I before we started, I wasn't going to drink, and then I typed Doc's future into our private chat as a topic that we're going to hit on, and uh, immediately said, "No, <laughs> I can't do this sober." Well, you better because you better because. <laughs> As soon as you said Doc's future slash Lakers, you know I got to stay out of it. Yeah, Although, I know. To be fair, it is a factual thing that uh, I think was Windhorse on one of ESPN's um, early yeah. morning shows. I don't know which one. It doesn't matter. But you have like thirty-seven of them now. And by the way, he also said this. Uh, actually, I, I I enjoy his. Uh, I don't know what it's called. Windhorse and Friends, whatever the podcast is mm-hmm. on ESPN with him and uh, well, the it's Hoop a Collective. Cast. I think the Hoop Collective, right? Uh, I think they call it Brian Windhorse and the Hoop Collective, but the episodes with uh, with Bon Temps and McMahon I, I enjoy the most. And on today's episode, Windhorse basically say, stated the same thing he said on whichever morning show that was on ESPN. Yeah. Um, that being, I will, re- I will recuse myself yeah. from this discussion, but go with it. Yeah, that being that if Doc Rivers is not in Philly at the start of next year, that he would be a leading candidate to go coach the Lakers. And uh, you and I will both take a deep swig to that hypothetical. Hennessy is, in fact, delicious. Yeah. All right. Uh, we have that a solid no comment. Although the, the other interesting part of it, the little uh, nugget that I hadn't You know what? Screw it. I, can, I, can I just talk about yeah, Doc yeah, Rivers? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I'm just going to get it out of the way so that I don't have to keep thinking about it. I will talk about Doc Rivers, too. I will not talk about Doc Rivers as it relates to the Lakers, but I will talk about Doc Rivers, too. Yeah. So on last night slash this morning's lowdown, I compared Doc Rivers to Russell Westbrook and how hiring him would have a lot in common with trading for Russell Westbrook and this star fuckery that, like, is just rampant. And, like, Doc Rivers, at his best, right, uh, was it, like, when he was in his prime and when the league was in a different place doc Rutt was i think at the time a top five coach in in the nba i don't usually like to say best coach in the nba because it's so circumstantial and mm-hmm. there's no way to know enough about coaching to be able to say like that guy is definitively the best coach in the nba and there's just so many really good coaches that 
it's an asinine conversation. I mean, but, was it the NBA itself? I don't. I, there, I think it was the NBA itself released a list of like the top fifteen coaches. In yeah, NBA. he's on it. He's on it. I like whatever you think of him. Factually, he is on that list. Yeah, I I don't think he should be. Um, That's I think, a different conversation, but, but he is. <laughs> but, but he is. Right. And um and now look like he won a championship was mm-hmm. cons- all of his teams were consistently competitive. Now were they competitive to the expectations brought upon them by the talent that he had around him? You know, that's a different conversation. Um but like at his best in his heyday was legitimately an NBA or an, an elite NBA head coach. I think those days however have since passed him. I think the league is in a very different place. It's uh, it's a it's a very different brand of basketball that is being played, and I don't think he has adapted his coaching styles to it. Um, also, I think he consistently, like at the ends of all of his tenures, you see everybody is pretty much sick of each other, and he just refuses to to accept any accountability. And when you when you have a coach or just anybody, any prominent person in an organization is just flat out unwilling to accept any kind of accountability, um, that wears on people. It eventually does. And right. and I think here again, at the end of, right after last night's game, you have Doc Rivers literally saying, I think I did a great job. I don't right. think we were good enough to beat my, the Miami Heat. And it's like, if you're, if you're a player on that team, and you saw this MFR start DeAndre Jordan in games one of two of that series, you're saying, Doc, did you do a good job? Did you do the best you could do? Because if you did, if that's your best, then you're not a good NBA head coach anymore. So like, that's where I stand on, on, on Doc Rivers, the coach, how it relates to the Lakers and how it relates to Russell Westbrook. It's just another example of like ignoring recent history to bring in a name that people might know um, and not doing the necessary research into making the move that is actually best for the organization. And then, so I and think that's that, how I stand on it. So Doc is, he's also argumentative um, with, with media members, which never helps. Um, no. And I, I wonder, like, the lack of self-awareness, like, he can believe that he did a wonderful job that's fine. I, I, it's probably not the best tack to take because, or it's probably not the best path for two reasons. One, if you think you did an incredible job, um, that just kind of uh, indicates that you're not particularly self-reflective and looking for ways to improve, mm-hmm. which uh, I think is concerning. The other part that's concerning is him throwing management and his players under the bus. I don't know what he's hoping to accomplish. There's no upside to that. And there is a lot of possible. And we've seen recently with him specifically quite a bit of downside. What happened at the end of last season when they lost? Uh, and he like, you know, had to, he said that stuff about Ben Simmons and then had to backpedal. Even if he's right, you know, I, you, you can't win a championship with Ben Simmons or I don't know is I think is what he said. Mm-hmm. Even if he's right. And he probably is. Um, that did nothing to better the relationship and maybe was the impetus for, or the reason for some, I mean, it had something to do with Ben wanting out. There's no, there's no upside there. So I don't, other than like, it's kind of human nature to 
want to blame everybody else but yourself. So from that perspective, I understand it because that's what people generally do is kind of shift blame. That is not a great quality for a coach. A coach should, even if they're even, he can believe whatever he wants, but coaches should always publicly say, when we fucked up, it's my fault. When we succeed, it was the players. You should do that yeah. always, even if that's not the truth, whether you believe it or not. That's it maintains what you do publicly. buy-in. That's what like you it, do publicly, right? Yeah. Because, like, like, I don't care how good of a coach you are. If your players aren't willing to play for you, you can't win. You just, you cannot. If they don't look at you and say, yeah, I'm going to, like, you know, the proverbial run through a hill, you know, you'll run through a wall for him. He not only doesn't seem to have that, he doesn't even have like run through tissue paper for you. Cause <laughs> like if you're the if three, you, three, one leads is really loud, man. Like the well, three, three, yeah, one leads too, that are but, blown are really loud, but that could be just like it. I don't think it is. I think it has something to do. It says something about his coaching, but even if it was just complete, like random chance. Yeah. Like fine. You're making it worse and making it self-fulfilling if you're ripping your players oh, in Orlando, first of all, he was also factually incorrect. But like, what is what is he gaining in his relationship with the players or in his relation and in his relationship with the organization and his boss, Daryl yeah. Morey in this case, when he says like, well, when I got here, like nobody expected us to do anything. And Which is not even said, true, by the way. No, of course, not true at all. But he basically said the roster is not good enough even this year. What like you are you are damaging materially damaging your relationship with your players and materially damaging your relationship with your boss. What, like what is to be gained here? I don't understand. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I think the reason by the way that I compared it to Russ was like, there's a lot in common in terms of like over the course of the season, Russ, according to various reports, according to his own words with media people, uh, as people were asking what he thought he could maybe do or what could be done differently to get different results over the course of the season. Um, Russ really kind of blistered every time that that anybody uh, dared question his approach to the sport. And, and, and I think, like, I completely agree with you that coaches need to be more self-effacing than players. So it's not quite apples to apples here. I think but, both should, by the way. Yeah. I mean, I, but like, that's, that's what I'm, I, you know, where I'm, I'm, I'm going is that like, eventually a player also needs to be able to look at a situation and, and always wonder, Hey, what can I be doing better here? Hell we've had pretty immense success at silver screen and roll, but like, we're always, all of us are always kind of thinking of different ways that we could do this differently, different things that we could add to the silver screen and roll experience, right? Um, that's, that's how one continues to get better at whatever it is that they, they, they need to be really good at. Mm -hmm. And, and I think the fact that doc has just, and this is by the way, like when the game ended last night, I grabbed some popcorn. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> I poured some butter. I got nice and comfortable. I put down my phone. I, I, well, do, you go, I do you go, you go with that, like the extra movie theater, uh, butter, you know, I don't really like, like butter oil? too much on my, I, I, I prefer the, like, just kind of lightly spritz the popcorn. Did you, when you, too you much to butter whatever, makes right? it we like soggy. The, huh? Right. Yeah. We saw the, we talked about this last week where you went to see, uh, 
by yourself, right? You want to see whatever mm -hmm. the latest Marvel is. You know, I don't really mess with that mm -hmm. with that stuff. Um, did you go? Did you did you like do the little squirt pump thing with the butter on the popcorn? I didn't get pop. It's nine dollars. I'm not paying nine dollars for popcorn. What if, what what the, what the movie cost you about twenty five dollars for a ticket? I think it was like thirteen dollars. Oh, you went. You got matinee. You went matinee. No, I was. It was you know it was what? a late movie, but I went what? by myself. So wait late. a second. Mm -hmm. Movie tickets are thirteen dollars in your area of Texas. Yeah, but I still. I know made they don't cost about thirteen dollars in Dallas. I got I got two like twenty dollar glasses of wine, so I wind up all making right. make up for it. But okay, but yeah. all right, all right, yeah. But they and the that's where they make I'm not like make they fun can... of you for drinking red wine because you went at night, which is fine. Uh -huh. Drink red wine at night. They they I had red they wine on can, our last pressure cooker. They can uh, cheap out on tickets because mm. of all of the other stuff. I Interesting. Think. Yeah, they sell like actually yeah. legit good food at that theater. Yeah, but they don't bother with that in LA. They're like, you gonna pay twenty dollars for a glass of wine, and you're, you're gonna also gonna pay, pay twenty five dollars <laughs> to get in, to get the opportunity. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I so I was uh, I, I I saw that they lost right, and I watched mm -hmm. the game uh, specifically because I really enjoy. And we're gonna talk about the Sixers in a macro sense. Here okay. in a bit, but yeah. I really enjoy watching James Harden in uh, elimination games. It's just my favorite thing. It's like he can smell the strip club, like he can smell vacation. He can smell the idea of the freedom to go to Miami and then go to Vegas and then go to Portland and go that to Houston and go to Atlanta. That brother ain't have, but he ain't take but two shots in the second half, <laughs> and one of them was a grenade with a minute yeah. left that he didn't want right. to take to begin. with. So he didn't but, have, but he didn't have not he had as many free throw attempts as you and I had last night, which is wild. Um, given given the way that he uh, twerks for for calls, he, the fact that he couldn't even get himself three to twerk drives. For calls. He drove to the basket three times in the entire game. Aaron, he was already thinking about all the Ubers he is gonna call as soon as the game was over. <laughs> um, so uh, to be fair, to be fair to him, and to be fair to Lemon Pepper Lou. Those wings are delicious. I want to try them. I do I mean, actually want to try Atlanta, them. But those the only thing are is, delicious. like, they're 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 they might be delicious. I would just they're probably say they're good wings. Probably don't go to a strip club in the middle of a pandemic. At the very beginning of a pandemic. <laughs> also fair. And <laughs> I, my, mama, my mama is driving. She's probably she's gonna listen to this. She's driving down to come uh come stay with me to for my brother's birthday tomorrow. So happy birthday to Michael. But my mom is driving down from San Francisco to LA to stay with me and it's going to be listening to this so mama i'm sorry but i have in fact had i have in fact had wings at a strip club in atlanta I'm <laughs> this is also not a great shock to her but i'm sorry yeah um but yeah i i so but back to doc like when when I, as soon as the game ended you knew quotes like he gave were eventually mm -hmm. going to come out you mm -hmm. and i held off on recording for a little bit to wait for some of the quotes to come out from his exit interview, which I believe is going to be coming out here fairly soon. We're seeing a trickle of like, I think Matisse Thibel is up on the podium right now. Um, and so over the course of this, like you and I are going to laugh at, at the quotes that Doc Rivers gives. Daryl Morey is also, he, he's more open to saying that mistakes are made, but not, yeah. he's not the best at it either. Daryl Morey has an interesting relationship yeah. with the media too. With he, he lets some, some quotes go. So, yeah. Uh, so we'll see how this goes, but, but like for here's, here's my concern also with, with the Lakers specifically is like, if research was done and 
uh, Doc's style and the way that his teams play lent itself to what the Lakers need next year. And I felt confident that that was the case. I would say, you know what? I can kind of see it. Like last night, I joked with the the guys, uh, Paul and Jazz, who cover the Sixers for for SB Nation over there at Liberty Mm -hmm. Ballers. I joked with them. I was like, yeah, we'll just wait for Frank Vogel to go over there to Philly. And then I thought more about it. I was like, well, you know, he runs drop defense. He could work with Embiid. Probably won't work well with, with Harden. But if anybody could get a defense to maybe work with James Harden involved, Frank might be one of them. Like... I can take myself down the logical steps to how Frank could maybe be um, successful in Philly. But the wait, fact wait, that... Wait, 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 hold on. Hold on, hold on. I have to, like, from a basketball sense, I have to disagree with you there real quick. Mm-hmm. I'm saying maybe. I'm not saying No, would. because James very specifically wants to switch everything yeah. mm-hmm. because it requires the least effort. Yeah. And if you're going to play a drop, as Frank does like to do as shown mm-hmm. especially with a with a massive center like Embiid like uh you know he clearly with his Lakers tenure he always tended to want a a very big body on the floor yeah. or a couple. Uh, even going back to Roy Herbert in Indiana mm-hmm. etc um and I think that's the best scheme for Embiid mm-hmm. but that's not gonna work for for James because James just won't He's not going to fight a screen. And then if you're going to run a drop coverage, you need somebody who's going to fight over a screen and then try to back pressure while the drop is actually some of this is something interesting we're seeing in, in the Celtics. Never mind. I'm, I'm getting too far afield, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think my hot take is that I don't think James Harden is in Philly next year. So <sighs> under that circumstance, I do think Frank makes some sense for Philly. Like so, I, I, I oh, don't think, okay. All right. Um, I don't. I don't think so. Frank is a free agent coach, so I can talk about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, under your scenario, yeah, I think that. Yes, sure. Yeah, I think I think Frank could construct a good defense based around Embiid in a drop coverage. I agree Mm -hmm. with that. Yeah, I'll leave leave it there. And then now, like, do I think Frank is a perfect coach, or 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 he's is even the best coach for that situation? No, like, I I think there's probably better options out there too, but. Like when I think about Doc, the fact that he was finally like getting credit for finally staggering Embiid and Harden, and his you know typical unwillingness to want to do that with his stars, given the fact that the Lakers are going to have a whole bunch of guys on minimum contracts again next year, if you aren't willing to stagger LeBron and AD, and you're going to have bench only lineups where three out of those five guys, four out of those five guys, maybe even are going to be uh, uh, minimum contract guys, then those minutes are going to be brutal. And so like, even, even if I was to lend, you know, the, 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 the time and the brain power to maybe see how it could possibly work. I just don't see it with, jo- with, with doc in even like a basketball capacity, let alone the off court stuff where, yeah, see how it goes. The first time he's subtweeting LeBron or he's subtweeting Anthony Davis in a press conference or he's subtweeting. Oh, I was going to say, does doc have a Twitter? I don't know about. No. And, and, and like the, yeah. the first time that he gives quotes yeah, about yeah. the fact that like, yeah, Kurt was in my office today and he was telling me that we need to start whatever other big center and run AD at the three. Um, like I, I just don't see it off the court. I don't see it on the court. And, and again, it, it just, 
on a more on on a bigger picture scale here, it would just be the the latest example of the Lakers going with the name over what is actually what actually works best for their situation. So I'm going to leave that alone. Mm -hmm. But what I do think is important that you just like made me think of something. What I do think is important as it relates to the Lakers and we'll uh, get back to the playoffs and all of that in a second. Um, but what I do think is interesting because you're talking about staggering LeBron and AD is I think something that is going to be very important for the Lakers next season is figuring out shot creation without LeBron or like because right there's been kind of this push and pull about how much LeBron wants to do right it's part of the rust thing it's part of the the uh uh Dennis Schroeder thing right is how much load you want to take off of LeBron as far as shot creation so I think that's going to be something that's going to be important for the Lakers next season is figuring out shot creation with LeBron off the floor mm -hmm. but also how much does LeBron want to go back to being the point guard? He's not going to be the point guard nominally, but the point guard functionally uh, mm -hmm. when he's on the floor and how that allows you to allocate whatever resources are available. So I, I think shot creation outside of LeBron is, is going to be very, I, I think it's vital for the Lakers next season and, and figuring out what that's going to look like. Yeah. I mean, I would like, like they've made this commitment to Talon and that seems to be the skill that he is most comfortable with. Maybe not best at, but most comfortable with is like with the ball in his hands. So no, I think that is his best skill. <clears throat> right. So if you're, if you're, if you're going to continue to commit to this guy, then uh, I don't think they can use more resources on trying to like fit that skill set. Like, I, I don't think that's something they can continue to commit to. So I think it's, I think it's going to be, yeah. Yes, I, I agree with you. Um, so what I think will be interesting is, like, much like LeBron, if he is nominally the two or three, but functionally the point guard when in non-LeBron lineups, I, I think that is something to pay attention to. Let's say that. Yeah. Um, I, all right, let's, let's talk about the Sixers, though, and James Harden specifically. Uh, mm -hmm. I just said my my hot take is that I don't think he's in Philly next year. Um, I don't think he's getting a max offer from Philly. I think he might even consider opting in, but the the risk there is that's another year where you're removed from your MVP caliber season and you're gambling on your ability to then uh, play well enough next year and and get paid. That said, the it, it could it, you know him opting out is a gamble, obviously un, unto itself as as I just said, I don't think he's getting a max offer. So he kind of has to pick the best of two bad choices that he made for himself. Like he, he made this bed mm -hmm. um, because of his lack of professionalism every year, um, every off season, there are the reports that Kevin Durant was really frustrated with the shape, the type of shape that James Harden showed up in um, to, to training camp last year in Brooklyn. So, uh, I, I think, I think if you're Philly, even knowing that you can't like match a potential contract offer, I think I probably I probably say, look, man, here's twenty five mil annually uh, for three years tops, and 
if you can get a better offer than that, man, best of luck for you. All right. So I have to, because <laughs> this is contract stuff and oh, there's a little hummingbird by my window um, because this is contract stuff and another a player that's signed with another team. I have to be careful here, but I think it is going to be fascinating um, what happens because the thought was as part of the, the trade, um, the prevailing wisdom around the league and the assumption was that Harden was just going to opt into next mm -hmm. year. Um, and he keeps saying like, that's his plan. And I was going to, and I like missed the deadline. I just didn't file it. Um, which he still is available to like it's, in, it's, in I, weird. He also doesn't have an agent, but mm -hmm. so I am fast. You hear that, <laughs> that sigh. I am fascinated by where this goes because I don't think, I don't think James is a max guy anymore. Um, I also don't know what Philly does. Like, Whatever you think of, of James' game now, I don't know that Philly is just wants to let him walk for nothing. Um, I mean, at this point, he holds the power, right? He can just not he can not opt in and be a free agent if he if he wants to. But then the question becomes like what what is he gonna get on the open market? There are teams, there are a few teams that have, you know, max cap space, but does James wanna go? back to OKC, right? I think Orlando has room. Like, it's not, there doesn't seem to be uh, a scenario where he can go get a bunch of money somewhere and go to a good team. So in some respects, like they, Philly has some leverage there, but like the, the connection between Maury and Harden obviously is something that has been, you know, yeah. Maury wore it's like a basketball Jesus, right? He Harden got my basketball Jesus back uh, uh, shirt. So the, yeah, the, the different leverage plays from each side is going to be really interesting. Uh, some, and some guys will, when it comes to this scenario, they kind of, and, and with their, their, their current team, they come to an agreement where, they will opt out of a bigger number or not opt in um, to a bigger number, but then go get more guaranteed money long-term. I just would guess that you're saying three for 20, you know, like three for 75. Mm -hmm. I don't think that is, I don't, my guess is that's not enough to get him to opt out. Right. Cause he's going to make 40, whatever, 47, yeah. whatever, 40 something million. And I'm, and he will, he will get it, but I'm sure he thinks, and I think he's probably right that in the next, in the following two years, he would get more than the $35 million difference or $30 million difference. And he's, he's right. Right. Whatever yeah. you think of, whatever you think of James Harden's game now, he's going to get more than 15 million two years from now and three years from now. So I don't think that's enough to, to get it done. I wonder if he just opts in and maybe this is Philly's best play. I don't know. Maybe everybody wants him to opt in because is he a max player on the open market? I doubt it, uh, especially because there's not a lot of teams with that kind of room. So I doubt it, but like 
let's not confuse James Harden isn't Houston James Harden anymore with James Harden is a bum, right? Like James Harden is still a good, very good NBA player. The problem is everybody thought that the Sixers were going to get, you know, 2018, specifically 2018 <laughs> James Harden. And I, that dude doesn't exist anymore. By the way, but Joel... there's also the other part of it is, is so I think there's a combination of like, the James Harden we're seeing now, is it because of age? Is it because of conditioning? Is it because his hamstring is still a problem? My guess is it's a combination of all three. So if you're Philly, I think you kind of have to hope, like give him an off season and he's back to 90 or 95% of 2018 James Harden, as opposed to 65%. All right. Uh, a lot to unpack there. One, here's the problem with all aging superstars is that no, they are no longer, they like, you don't go from star to bum. That doesn't happen unless you're Russell Westbrook. But like, um, you, do, you don't go, you, go. <laughs> you don't go from star to bum. I didn't say, by the way, I didn't say that. <laughs> publicly. He, he was, I didn't say that publicly. He, uh, he, uh, he was the <laughs> most actively that. detrimental player in I, the NBA last year. That's what I'll say. Uh, I don't um, know if that's true, but but so but here's my here's generally speaking though with stars, especially stars who expect to be on the ball and haven't adjusted their games to the idea that eventually they're going to have to move off of the ball. Is that as they age? And if your team has a better option on the ball, if that player is unwilling to do things off of the ball to make it work with that player who is now, who, who should have the on-ball responsibilities, that player does get worse than their skill level even presents them as, right? So think of it as Russell Westbrook. He's playing on a team with LeBron. You want LeBron to have the ball. Russ can't, he's not going to space the floor as a shooter, so you can't have him there. If he isn't willing to set screens um, or good screens and roll hard to the basket, then that's limiting what he could possibly do there. So you wind up moving LeBron to off of the ball and it makes your team worse, right? And for the Sixers, you know, their primary creator should be Joel Embiid. It should be, you should be operating through him. Um, but because James Harden is unwilling to operate off of the ball, you saw it all last series and you've seen it over the years where he gives the ball up and he goes out and he stands off in a corner and, and he just kind of mopes there. And given the fact that he's such a good shooter, like yeah, he's not, right. he, that, that really hurts your offense. The, just having him on the court in a threatening position would just help a lot. But the fact that he just wants to go up and mope when he doesn't have the ball, and you actually heard him lend his voice to it after the game last night where he said, I was giving up the ball and I wasn't getting it back. Well, James, yeah, well, you're not you getting it back because you're standing next well, to Doc Rivers. Well, you also have the ball the whole time, James. So like, <laughs> these are your decisions. Yeah. So I disagree with you. I think All Joel right. Embiid should absolutely be the Sixers' number one option, mm -hmm. but he can't be the primary creator. I think the, I think the Sixers' primary creator at this point should be Tyrese Maxey. Fine. But and but this goes back and you mentioned Russ, but this goes back to Russ's tenure with James in Houston and Chris Paul's tenure with James in Houston is especially with Chris Paul because they are both 
elite catch and shoot players. By the way, Doc and Daryl are taking the podium right now. Oh. <laughs> is this on somewhere? You know, I got. You know what? You know, in 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 my off quote unquote office, which was supposed to be, which is actually the guest bedroom because I have people staying with me like basically 360 days of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I gave my sister my extra HDMI cable. Is this going to be on TV? Because I got the new HDMI cable. So as we saw in the last pressure cooker, this is no longer malfunctioning technology house. Uh-huh. Um, is this on TV? Cause I need to watch this. Uh, I it's, not, probably not I don't here. think no. I don't, I don't Lo- think so. it's probably locally on. No, I'll, uh, I'll as the tw- as the, uh, got it. the okay, quotes got and the it. tweets okay. come across my timeline. I will, I will offer them up. So, yeah, I think, I think, um, the Russ and James tenure in Houston and the CP and James tenure in Houston, like kind of speaks to this. If James is willing to, I think that he can still be a very, very dangerous weapon off the ball as a catch and shoot guy um the but for those kind of guys those kind of guys are not max players um yeah. the other thing about james though is like as like an aging superstar you're saying especially an on-ball aging superstar james is 32 he's not like <laughs> we think of him like he's you know 38 well, but, but he's, he's 32 he's and again this in the, in in uh, <laughs> why are you looking at me funny when you say this you might be this age chronologically but he's as far well as he's usage, well pickled is is what i'll say as far as usage um but yeah this i think this also speaks to what i said earlier is how much of what we've seen the last whatever well in the playoffs absolutely but in the last few months how much of that is age mm-hmm. how much of that is conditioning how much of that is injury and i don't think that's an answer that we'll get i my my supposition is it's like a little from column a a little from column b and a little from column c i think all of yeah. those things the conditioning is 100 in his control however he has shown at times that even though that is under his control that's not something that he is focused on mm-hmm. the hamstring isn't in his control, but that is impacted by his conditioning. Also, if he has a full off season, will he get his conditioning right? Will the hamstring get together? Those things are at least the conditioning, which also factors into the injury is under his control. The injury is not under his control, but if he has a full off season, if he cares and if he is dedicated we will actually get to see how much of this is just he's getting old. Um, but he was not, I mean, like, I don't think he cares. I don't think he's dedicated. Like I, well, I, he has shown, he has certainly shown at times. It doesn't appear from the outside. Like he's doing the best he can. Like last night, can. last night, it really struck me how often on his own turnovers, uh, he would just kind of jog back and you could see Cancun in, an, in like a thought bubble above his head. The strange thing, though, is he has, even when he was an MVP slash MVP level player, he has had some of these, like, closeout game playoffs, but especially closeout game, just, like, weird. Yeah. Like, 2 of 11 shooting games. That one game, uh, I think it was game six? Um against San Antonio where like yeah. San Antonio didn't have Tony Parker or Kawhi 
like and just the, the Rockets and James just didn't show up. So like I don't. Yeah, I, don't I remember know. when the the Rockets played the Lakers, and by the time the Lakers had a lead in the series, I just said, okay, yeah, this thing's over. Like I don't. You know, Russ is going to play really hard, and I think there are members of that of that Rockets team who I who I thought could you know turn it around and continue to challenge the Lakers. I think PJ Tucker was on that team, mm-hmm. um, and like like there are there were some guys on that in that series. I was like, okay, they're going to try to keep it competitive, but as soon as the chips are down, Harden just kind of shells up. He just he just kind of and 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 yeah, that has my, been my the point trend is, of over. That's why I don't correct. like. I'm not even saying because look, the guy is incredibly skilled. The guy has put an immense amount of work on his game to get to the point where he can have the impact that he had where he won an MVP. That doesn't come just like by accident or out of nowhere. No. The guy did put in work in order to get to that it to that point. But it's another step beyond that to have success where everybody you're playing against is at your level or higher. And in the playoffs, that's where I think you see the difference between, and like Kobe also, there's a really cool clip of Kobe explaining like Harden, the way that he likes to play doesn't work in the postseason because defenses are too good to just have your primary ball handler standing at the top of the key and running a pick and roll yeah, over and over and yeah, over you need, again. You need, you need some variety in the yeah. postseason because with scouting, um, everybody's going to load up. Correct. Yeah. And so and like this, that was, that was the thing that was, that was the, um, that was the that was the year he about Giannis. No, that was the concern oh, about yeah. Giannis. Was uh-huh. If you're just going to stand there, like at the top of the key, we can load up on you, and it's not going to work as well. Mm-hmm. And and so like it's not it's not all in in Harden's control, but the things that are in Harden's control, I feel like he falls well short of the expectations that come with being a great player. And like the the criticism that I get most often for my analysis, especially of the Lakers, is like, man, you're way too hard on Anthony Davis. And the, my retort is always, I expect a lot out of Anthony Davis because the guy is one of the most talented NBA players I have ever seen, just in terms of physical gifts and what he can do skill-wise. That dude is a freaking Martian. And as a result, I expect a lot out of out of uh, Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. Same thing goes for James Harden and all great players. Where like Chris Paul is somebody who's like, I grant to everybody I ever talked to about Chris Paul. I, I say that he's a top three point guard that I have ever seen play the sport. However, he lowers himself with all the other bullshit that he tries to pull on the court that I think are well below what you, what should, what a great player should be doing out there. And with James Harden, the things that he should be doing off of the court to maintain that level or improve, to continue to take that next step in his career, where he goes from MVP to champion finals MVP, all of those things, he has shown in an unwillingness to do those things. And as a result, I don't, I don't want anything to do with paying that dude as he ages max money. I'm not sure I wanted to pay prime James Harden max money. I let alone mm, now at this stage mm, of his career. I know prime James Harden was, I just, uh, my point is I'm not sure how illustrative of where James Harden is in his career or the basketball universe this playoffs were because even at his best he had some of these games in the playoffs where you're Mm -hmm. like i don't what what's going on what's yeah so i i agree with you i'm just saying i don't know like 
I don't know if we can point to yesterday to say that James Harden is washed because when James Harden was winning an MVP and was probably the best scorer in the league and, you know, an MVP and a top whatever three, five, seven player in the league, he also had some of these. Yeah, I agree with you. I would be. I, I How about this? I'll say it this way. I am not envious of the 76ers <laughs> as it relates to no. their like the decision making on what to do with James Harden. I that yeah. I completely agree with. But I just don't think yesterday was like the one thing where you say, see, James Harden is done because when James Harden was among the best few players in the world, he had to